3: And empowerment.
0: As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Addison on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We are going out with a bang. This is our last homeschooling conference yes. uh, for the year. Yeah. And so what better way to do it than with a live audience? So a live studio audience.
0: All right.
1: The Home Educators Association of Virginia. You're going to hear us say H-E-A-V. That's where we are. We are in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are so super excited to have three segments, three guests per segment. It's going to be like a quick in and out roundtable type thing. Uh, our first guest is Dorenda Wilson, and we're going to talk about the unhurried homeschooler. We're going to talk about creating an environment where not only do you educate for the glory of God, but you live life together for the glory of God, kind of setting aside all of those expectations that are in the culture that uh, unwittingly we bring into our homeschooling environment.
2: Dorenda, mm-hmm. tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am married to Daryl. We've been married for 33 years. We have eight kids ages 18 to 32. We have 10 grandkids and we've been homeschooling for over 28 years. Oh wow. my
1: goodness. Okay, so, so clearly you've seen the homeschooling community change mm-hmm. over the years. Um, let's kind of start with where we are now. As you look back, what have been some of the major shifts that you've seen in the way that homeschoolers are navigating culture or even navigating the call to homeschool?
2: Well, I think that, you know, back in the day when there were a lot less of us homeschooling, um, there was a real strong purpose in Mm -hmm. what we were doing. We were typically homeschooling because we wanted to disciple our kids. Mm -hmm. So there was a a really strong purpose there. And what I see happening now is a lot of families deciding to homeschool just to get their kids out of public school yeah. or out of situations yeah. where they're yeah. not doing well without a necessarily a strong purpose or mission in mind. And so I think that's kind of where the shift has happened.
1: What is the hmm. danger in that? Like if we are just kind of, I think someone said it well, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were in Texas and I think uh, Rebecca Lambert, who Stephanie. Stephanie Lambert, Stephanie, Stephanie. sorry, yes. Stephanie, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> um, she said it well. She said that at once homeschooling was that you were running towards something, Mm -hmm. but recently it's running away from something. Right? Why is that dangerous? What might be the pitfall in in that as your approach to homeschooling?
2: Well, I think it comes down to just, like I said, having a, a goal, a mission, a purpose in mind. And if we're running from something, we're making decisions out of fear. I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't take your kids home. I'm definitely not saying that. Sure. But I am saying that when you decide to do that, you do need to take some time to think and pray through What direction are you going? What is the purpose? What do you want for your kids? What do you think Mm. God wants for your kids? What does God want for your family? We were talking about this earlier. Every family is unique. And I think that's something that we've sort of gotten away from. We were talking about this earlier as well, that, you know, back in the uh, Industrial Revolution, when they came up with this school system that we're using and have used since then, um, it, it was with this idea of sort of uh, mechanizing things, you know, yeah. So the ne- industrial revolution was great in many, many ways. You mm-hmm. know, things became more efficient as far as producing, you know, products and things like that. So there were some great things that happened. But unfortunately, we applied it to education. And so we started to teach our kids like they are computers or robots or, you know, and, and we stopped um, raising them as, as human beings and as eternal souls. Yeah.
1: And I think part of, uh, to the point that you're making about teaching our kids as if they're robots is that we are looking to them for a certain output. Mm -hmm. And if we're honest, sometimes as homeschooling parents, we feel like that output is a reflection of us. Like, like our kids are kind of like on the spot, to make us look good right. because we're like, you're my product. Right. Like, you're what I'm
2: doing. So right. And how, how many homeschooling parents haven't been through this where a relative or a oh. friend is, like, testing your kids when, you know, when you're not looking to see if they, <laughs> they know how to They just want to get barbecue sauce. <laughs> and then there's Nana over there asking. It's like, stop. Let them get barbecue sauce. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, there's that, there's that pressure there. And that's why it's so important for us to have our eyes on uh, something clear, you know, like a clear vision of what God wants for our family. And that can be somewhat evolving, obviously, Mm. because, you know, God reveals and unfolds things as time goes on and we go through different seasons. But, um, you know, I think that Having uh, a good foundation to start with, you know, like for us, for our family, my husband and I both just our big thing was we wanted to disciple our kids. We wanted Amen. to we wanted our to pass our faith on to the kids, and Amen. we knew that discipleship actually takes time. Yes. Like you have to yes. have a relationship with your kids, and we felt like we were going to get whatever was left over at the end of a thirty thirty five hour you know, week at school, mm-hmm. and and there was no way to undo whatever had happened at school that we didn't even know. I mean, it was just too many unknowns for us. Yeah. We didn't feel like we could disciple them well and send them away for that many hours per week. And, mm. um, and let's be honest, you know, anybody who's sending their kids to school, I went to school full-time, so, you know, I, yeah, I so came I. from yep, public school, yeah. um, but, you know, the truth is that, you know, when you're sending your kids away, for that much time, you it's very difficult to have that kind of relationship with them where mm. you are walking alongside. That's what discipleship is. Yeah. You know, you look at the disciples and Jesus. Like yeah. they spent time together. Time they together. ate together. They were doing everything together. And I think that's thats something that we have to keep in mind as we're thinking about discipling our own children. So when we've got... Oh no, go I,
0: I just want to say this. I just want to say this because when you see the, the influx of uh, families coming into homeschooling, I think as Christians, we should see it as an opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, even in the co-ops or whatever, you know, opportunity to share life, share the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost similar to me. And I don't know how people think about just the the issue we have in this country as far as immigrants. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's, there's laws and things like that. But as the church, can we see that as an opportunity to maybe win some souls to the Mm -hmm. Lord, you know, because it's, they're, they're coming anyway. So, so the thing is, you know, in the homeschooling thing, I'm like, man, Can we see this as an opportunity to share Christ with (laughs) those who don't know him?
2: absolutely absolutely i think that's that's happening a lot i think parents are seeing what's happening in the in the school system and they're like i don't really want this for my kids and so maybe we're going to homeschool and we're going to maybe get to know some homeschoolers and you know as we know many of them are christians so it can be an on-ramp for salvation and just sharing the gospel as they see it reflected in our families you know but again that's got to happen that's only going to happen if we are you know being intentional at home yeah Mm
1: -hmm. so so when we talk about this intentionality and we talk about what we're doing as homeschooling parents, sometimes, you know, we want to load our kids down. I'm going Mm -hmm. back to this uh, almost kind of like industrialization mode, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Where we are trying to produce uh, not an outcome necessarily, but output. Like we want them to just give it back to me. Like I need you to be ready um, to make me look (laughs) successful, right? Like, and that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot to put on the shoulders of a kid. I'm wondering, Dorinda, how do we, as parents, take a step back from that, recalibrate so that we can be unhurried? Like, what does that look like?
2: Okay, well, being unhurried for our family started out as me realizing my kids weren't going to do well, and I don't think any child does well, going into kindergarten being loaded down with schoolwork and Mm bookwork. And I felt like, um, and this came from a book that I read way before I had kids. It was called Better Late Than Early by Dr. Raymond Moore, and uh, he talked about how it is um, important for our kids in the younger years to have lots of time to play, um, to work on character formation. So, we're doing, you know, we're having some chores, we're having a, a routine, and all that kind of thing. So, it started out with just, you know, increment, understanding that we weren't going to jump right in mm-hmm. 100%. We were going to incrementally add as they were ready. So, that was kind of how it started. And then, as we did that, I realized that, you know, I had some margin in my days and I was able to watch my kids and realize how much they can teach themselves yeah. in, you know, given time and space and, a you know, home environment can be, it, it's just, it's such a beautiful place. You know, yeah. if we are not standing there with our checklist yeah. and, you know, breathing down our kids' throats all the yeah. time, but just saying, you know, um, I'm going to give you time and space and here's our routine and being consistent in that routine. And and so we we, as I saw how our kids self-taught, I realized the importance of that margin in their day. So even as they got older, I made sure that they had that every day. How
0: how do you get out of that mindset, especially when you've grown up public school and had this certain format? How do you begin to even change that?
2: Well, I think for me, I just looked at my kids and thought and I know my kids, you Mm. know, like after watching them being a student of them. I know how much they can handle and not handle, and when I, I my, I gauge things by through prayer Amen. and watching my kids. Amen. Like that's how good. are yeah. they responding to this? Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Amen. Are they enjoying what we're doing? And obviously, there's going to be times they have to do things they don't want to do. <laughs> right, I totally right. get that. But if I, my ratio was always if it's uh, that homeschooling should be. 80% enjoyable and maybe 20% really hard work. Hmm. You I feel know. like you just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like you were like, I need a percentage here. I'm going to go 80,
0: like, 20.
1: <laughs> that makes me anxious. Like when I hear you say that, because I've got a kid and I was talking to you right. about this earlier. I've got a kid who would hear that 80, 20 and be like, <laughs> right. oh, we ain't doing nothing today. Like that to her sounds like free right. day. You right. know what I mean? Right. So how do you balance that with, You know, God's expectation that we will live for his glory. So we're not going to, you know, like, laze around. No,
2: no, we're not. And I think that's where having, for me, what it looked like was having some directed learning in the morning. So there was definitely a plan. I'm not a person who can just throw the workbooks away completely, but we minimize them. And then I knew that they were at least making some progress every single day in these things. And mm. then afternoon was more self-directed learning. Oh, and that's And so, good. you know, that, that's kind of how we how we worked it out. And then there were lots of chores in between. Yeah. Because there's a lot of character building that goes on there. Yes. And Amen. teamwork <laughs> and communication and all kinds of stuff. That's so, right. Responsibility absolutely. and all of those things. Yeah.
1: So, okay. Now, moment of transparency, if many of us would be honest, right, there are a lot of our um, friends who have a tremendous amount of influence over how we feel about the job we're doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as homeschooling mm-hmm. parents. And family so family too. And family, okay? <laughs> so you've got you uh, I don't know why, but this family is in everybody's life that the kid started reading at 2. And the kid has already gotten his degree mm-hmm. at 12. Mm-hmm. Right? right? And 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 then the kid has started his new job and he's 18 and right. he's the head of Apple. And right. you're like <laughs> You're like Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just trying to get this one to stop eating the glue. Like, what right. is going to... So how do we take captive all of those thoughts that sometimes are internal thoughts, comparison. but sometimes they're fueled mm-hmm. by mm-hmm.
2: external comparisons? Right. And comparisons, they are absolutely our worst enemy. <laughs> yes. So I remember, you know, kind of having somewhat of a conversation with this about the Lord or with the Lord about this. And, and it was like he said, Dorinda, just take care of your own backyard. Like, Mm. this is what I've given you. Mm. You standing there looking over the fence at someone else's landscaping and all of that. That's that's not your yard. This is your yard. So (gasps) take care of that. And so we talked about this earlier. uh, Making our measuring stick purpose yeah. rather than performance yeah you know and i think as we make the measuring stick purpose our kids do perform in the ways that god has called them that's to so good. and i think that's the important thing is we have got to understand that each of our children are incredibly unique yeah and they're god you know they're 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 god-given god has given them to us intentionally He said, I want you to be the mom of this particular child. And so that alone, that is like a calling. And so every single one of our children is a calling on our lives to steward well what God has given us. We're not stewarding what he hasn't given us. We look at what he has given us and we make the most of what he's given us. That's good.
1: That's so good. I mean, because I'm just thinking of your illustration here, like looking over the fence you're looking over and, and you're going, like, in my backyard, I've got the area where the dog goes to the bathroom, like, right. the, the grass is discolored. <laughs> it's but the neighbors don't even have a pet. Right. Right? But I'm, I'm still, comparing still comparing and looking over yes. and, and trying to desire. Yes. I think that is so good and so instructive. So real quick before we go to the break here, and we only got about a minute unhurried grace for a mom's heart. Mm -hmm. Talk just really quickly about the necessity of moms really being connected to the
2: vine, like abiding in the Lord. Absolutely. I think that that is something we need to really remember. Think about Mary and Martha. Yeah. Martha's working, 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 and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet looking basically unproductive. And Martha's calling her out on it, asking Jesus to step in. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to take this away from her because she understood that um, the good... That she needed to hear from the Lord first. Amen. Right? And then she could go out and do the things that were on the checklist.
1: DorindaWilson.com. D-U-R-E-N-D-A. DorindaWilson.com. We're going to grab the break. This is H-E-A-V. We are live and direct. Yes. Yes. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We will be right back. On American Family Radio, we are broadcasting live and direct from HEAV, uh, Home Educators Association of Virginia, and this is the last homeschooling conference that we're doing uh, this year. So this was the
0: first one we had ever done, this ever in life, like in uh,
1: 2021. Yeah, it doesn't matter because. You yeah. can always be wrong on the days because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, really. Like COVID Nobody gives you cares pass. if you're accurate. Right, right. You can be like, I think it was 2021, and it was like 2019. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, but welcome back. We are having a conversation about educating our kids in this country and having a conversation about purpose. And Rebecca Spooner joins us now. This is my first time getting to talk with you, but we were recently in Lansing together yes. and not, like, hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> we wish. Which, like, why weren't we hanging out? You're like, because we were working. We were doing things, Right. Um, But my goodness, we did a TED talk. It was a series of conversations where each of the presenters, I'd never been a part of anything like this before, Mm -hmm. um, kind of came up and gave like an overview of what they were going to be talking about. And so it provided an opportunity for us to hear all of the presenters. Yeah. And as I listened to you talk, I thought, that's my cousin. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You talked about discernment and you talked about the word of God mm-hmm. and you talked about the things that we want to see produced in our children, we want to see Christ formed in our children. And then you said this, and this, this was the Paul Washer moment, right? It was like, I don't know why you're clapping kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> you said, that's got to be formed in us. Like that. Mm-hmm. what we want to see in our children must be true for us. So I, of course, want to talk about that, but I also want to introduce you to the American Family Radio audience. Tell our listeners a little bit about your ministry, your calling as a homeschooling mom. You were also homeschooled yourself. Correct. Yeah. Go yep. right ahead.
4: Yeah. So I have five children and, uh, and I was homeschooled myself. So going into the homeschool world was just very familiar territory to me. Um, and I was, actually- reviewing curriculum and just homeschooling my kids and writing and speaking and encouraging. And, and, um, and it was a lot trying to just navigate working and homeschooling and parenting and being a wife and (laughs) ministry and worship leading. And, you know, like it was a lot, I felt pulled in a million different directions I was struggling keeping up with homeschooling. Um, I remember piling all of my books on my bed and, and taking a picture of it and saying, this is what I'm trying to do. All my individual kids with all their individual subjects. And it was just very overwhelming. And I hit this point where I actually took a break from schooling. I didn't do any school with my kids. I was just waiting on the Lord. And it took about six months of waiting, just waiting on him. Mm -hmm. And around this time, I'd also signed my business over to God and literally on a napkin, on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. I I wrote out and I said, you're the CEO. I want to live my life for you. I want to do what matters. And as much as I love the homeschool um, market, which I've been a part of, I feel like my whole life, I wanted, I wanted just to talk about him. I wanted Mm -hmm. just to be living my life for him and, and. And just doing what mattered. So um, I was just in this this I call it my holy discontent. This holy mm. discontent, and and God led me after this six months. I actually flew away. And I was I was I was frustrated. I was in this place without my family, and um, and and in this it was midnight. And I was sitting there, and I was journaling, and I was praying, and 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 I just he downloaded this idea of a curriculum um, that would have everything connected, all of the subjects connected, um, other than math right now. But I, I cover all of the different subjects around one. It's a unit study approach, but doing it where it's for all ages, so the entire family back together again because I feel like I have this picture of, and I think a lot of people do, homeschooling in our heads, we imagine that we're sitting there and our kids are gathered around us and they're all listening yes. and it's beautiful. And then when you do it, oh. that's not the experience, right? right? It's stressful. Oh. Yeah. I call it like my antiperspirant day is like, put on the good man. stuff, man. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you're bouncing from one kid to the next. And, and I was doing school all day long. And, and so I, I have this just picture of God just, he wants rest. He mm-hmm. wants rest for families and he he has been calling, I believe he has been calling families to homeschool. And I think that some families think that they're just like even Dorenda was saying, um, they're maybe starting for other reasons, but not realizing the fact that they're actually being called. They're mm. actually being called into this because God wants to raise up, I believe the mighty ones. He wants yeah. to raise up a generation of kingdom-minded children who will be strong in their identity. And so for me, the focus, For my own family has been less of education and more on on the heart and their relationship with god and and hearing his voice and modeling a relationship with him and so the heart of gather around homeschool was that it's jesus in the center and everything connected and the family connected and learning together and um just just exploring education and seeing how God truly is the center of it all.
1: So I'm wondering, based on what you're saying, Rebecca, I'm I'm wondering if you observed, having been immersed in the homeschooling community for as long as you've been, um, have you seen a shift in the purpose for homeschooling over the years that's not just due to COVID, because I think COVID has kind of ramped up more and more people coming into the homeschooling community. But the reason is not Christ. Like it's not, you know, um, Christian conservatives going into homeschooling because we want to see Christ formed in our kids. Now it's like people are like, no, you cannot have my kids, right? Like it's undeniable. You see what's going on in the public education system, government schooling. And so people are getting out. But as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering if there's something that is pre-COVID that maybe kind of indicated that we've lost our way in homeschooling, that we were focusing more on the co-ops and the academics, and we're educating our kids from 7 in the morning until 3.15 in the afternoon because we feel like that's the way um, to prove to the world that we Mm
4: should have done this, right? Like, Have you seen this shift happen even before COVID? I think that, I mean, growing up, when I first started being homeschooled, it was, um, I mean, a little bit more of a grassroots movement, essentially. Um, it was it was definitely smaller, and it was a little bit fringe. And and as, as it's progressed, what I've seen is that as more people, it's become more mainstream. And I think a lot of people um, feel the need to prove themselves to others, and then also to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so even before COVID, it was, okay, well, if this is going to be a growing movement, then we have to find a way of validating ourselves. And the only way we can validate ourselves is with the current system because That's the system that we're all measuring ourselves up against, even though it's broken. And even though that's the very thing we're pulling our kids out of, that's still the only thing that we know. And so I think because it's been so long, because there's been this great divide from when it first started to where it is today. I think that that we don't know that homeschooling can be a new wineskin, that homeschooling can Mm. be something completely different and new and doesn't have to be school at home. It can be really what God wants for our families. And that can look very different from home to home.
1: Man, I'm just thinking about that, that this whole idea, this this new wineskin approach to uh, discipling and training our kids. I think it requires though, something that I think most homeschooling moms and dads are probably not good at. Uh, It requires relying on the Lord. It requires leaning on him. I, I think that for many of us, if we are educating our kids at home, we are structured to some extent. I mean, we we have to be, right? Or things just wouldn't get done. I'm thinking that some of the output, some of the things that we see produced, we take credit for that. Like Mm -hmm. we did that because I organized that and I had my Mm -hmm. lesson plan and I sat down and and I'm thinking this new wineskin, this gather round model, kind of like takes a little bit of us out of it and makes Jesus the center. I'm wondering your thoughts on that.
4: Yeah, I I definitely think um, I think that 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 shift is important. I think that I'm seeing it a lot. I mean, we travel around to a lot of conventions, um, and and I feel like the call on my heart when I'm speaking and praying, God, what do you what do you want to say? What do you want to say? I think it's often um, a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity that people are carrying, but also just just yeah, not not knowing how to hear His voice. Um, or or not exercising that on a regular basis. And I think that that is probably the most key and most important thing. And that's that's what I point it back to in every session that I do is, you know what, my kids all have different needs. They all have different emotional needs and mental needs and, I mean, physical needs. They, all their needs are different. And so when I'm educating them, if I am looking to God first, and if I'm saying it's not about, we're so quick, we're so quick to go to the book, to go to the, to go to, I mean, even I do all this stuff, the podcast. We go to anyone. Someone has the answer, but there is one who has the answer. It is God. He is the one who formed us. He is the one who created us. He created our children. He knows us. He knows exactly what we need. And if we can turn to him, he can give us, I I think, keys and strategies and he wants to. And we have segregated God to be in church and we have made that his home. But the reality (sighs) is, is God wants to permeate our homes, not just home education, but our marriages, our relationships with our children. Homeschooling is so much bigger than just home education. It is the family unit, and this is where mm. I think God wants to bring a revival. He wants to bring a, a movement. He wants to show us that it is—it is so much bigger than that. But the first step and the most important step is that we have to be hearing His voice
1: and following Him. Amen. Listen, it's so amen. good. I think some people were conflicted.
4: They were like, "Can we amen
0: that? You can.
1: Like, yeah. can you? Can you? Like, right? <laughs> absolutely."
0: I want to ask uh, after you came came back after the, the time of prayer and things like that and things begin to I guess change because you begin to implement what God was telling you as far as your your husband how 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 did that affect him and his involvement in the gather around uh, movement I would say in your family
4: Yeah, so I mean, it started off, and again, I think this is such a a telling thing because this is the way homeschooling often is. Homeschooling is usually mom; it's how it starts. And um, even in that, I think that there is a a new thing that God is doing that we've gotten to model, which has been super fun. Where God is saying, you know what? No, it's not just it's not just the women. And in fact, we've really divided this. I've seen it happen at conventions. When I've gone to speak, I used to start and I would speak to women, and more and more, I found that that is it's 50-50. I'm speaking to families. I there's kids in Mm. there. There's husbands in there. Yeah. So when we first started, my husband was a uh, federal police officer in Canada. And so he had a career. He had a ministry. It was mm-hmm. his ministry. It was his calling. Yes. And so um, it was it was a big thing. God laid on my heart right away. Um, we came back. I, I put together a sample and I published this sample and I said, I'm going to make 10 of these. I'm going to do a whole year. Who wants to buy the whole year of it? <laughs> and we had enough people purchase the whole year that provided every thing we needed to purchase, uh-huh. our printers and everything else because we self-publish this. And so I really uh-huh. think that was a testimony to my husband to be able to see that God was in this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and he became, right from the very beginning, he became the greatest supporter that I had. Mm. But over time, it, it wasn't enough. God was calling him in. And it wasn't just to be my thing. And again, you see this happen in ministries. You see this happen all over the place. You have the man pursuing his calling, the woman following, or, or taking the home. And it's if I Mm-hmm. And I just am seeing this, this thing where God is saying, No, it's the whole family. Yeah. I mean, we are traveling with our whole family, doing ministry as a whole family, mm. our kids involved. And so we started to see this transition. My husband actually ended up retiring from the RCMP. We we left our country, we're driving around looking wow. for where God has us because <laughs> we we believe He's called us to establish um, a, a, a warehouse here in the United States. And so we've been looking for a year and a half. <laughs> Super fun. Um, and and just driving around in an RV and just asking God what he has. That's sanctifying. Yeah, it is. Truly. That right there, like,
1: that will draw you closer to the Lord. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, let's just be real. Like, cause it, cause you know, you hear like, we're driving around and it just sounds like it's all like, you know, but we drive around. So we know, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and so we document, <laughs> so we video document our driving around. Right. And there are times where you're just like, turn off the camera.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? Yep. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. I'm secure. Like, I I mean, it's just 100%. The Lord sanctifies me in this close proximity Mm -hmm. with our children. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and talk, um, practically about what it is that you offer to families. I want to talk about the gather round. Would you call it a curriculum or would you call it like, what do you call
4: it? Yep. It's a curriculum. Um, it is, it does cover all of your subjects. There's, there is kindergarten, preschool, even, um, teaching to read all the way through to grade 12. And so the idea is that you read together because I wanted this aspect of I didn't want to just give up and have my kids doing their own thing. But yeah. after reviewing curriculum, I had seen their, the school system, quite frankly, has some things going for it. I think that as parents, we've we've gotten so, um, let's give our kids hands on and let's give our kids, you know, and so we do all this lesson prep and let's, let's gear it towards their learning styles and we're spoon feeding them. But that's not preparing them for the real world mm-hmm. because in the world, and we see this happen in church too, right? Spoon feeding, spoon feeding, spoon feeding, but we have to teach our kids to learn for themselves. That's right. We have to teach them to seek the information to hear for themselves, and so, um, so it has that where you're together, but then they each have their own workbook where they're going off and doing it on their own, and so it kind of has that, that mixture of together time, but also independent learning to um, to help raise them and, and and train them, I guess, to, to learn. So, so how can our listeners learn more about Gather Round and learn more about your curriculum? Gatherroundhomeschool.com is our website, and uh, we've got YouTube and... Instagram and all the things, um, but I do manage all of that myself and fairly poorly, I might add. I used to market other people, but marketing myself and writing and speaking and, you know, it's a lot. (laughs)
1: So, okay, so when I think when some of our listeners hear that and and, and indeed our audience here, when they're listening to that, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety that's Mm -hmm. induced because they think, how in the world could you be doing it right if Mm -hmm. you've got all of those things going on? Is that the way we're supposed to look at how we homeschool or how we disciple our children, how we live life? Is that the question? Am I doing it
4: right? And that's what I feel like is one of my biggest mandates is is to tell people I don't. I don't. Um, No one can do it all. Nobody is doing it all. You, you, they always say, choose your top three. It's not choose your top three. It's honestly, I think choose your top two. And for me, I even bring my priorities to God on a day by day basis. And I say, God, I've got meetings. I've got deadlines. I've got, you know, I've got homeschooling. I've got the kids. There's also, we, we take homeschooling. Our kids need us. And so there's sometimes where God says, no, you're not doing any lessons. You're connecting with your children. And other times he calls us to, um, to do school or to just, go do work. So it's just listening to his voice and, and letting him guide us rather than our own anxiety. Yeah. I
1: love something you said, and we're going to break here, but I love this this idea of reestablishing or agreeing with God again, that the family unit is good and, and that what he designed is right. And it's worth fighting for. It's worth yes. defending. And that being the core and almost the genesis for how we are educating our kids at home. I, I really see uh, family as central to changing the way our nation is. like Absolutely. the things that mm-hmm. we see happening mm-hmm. around us. so the family central to that. Yep. all right, Rebecca Spooner, website one more time before we hit the break. Gatherroundhomeschool.com. All right, we are live and direct from HEAV. We'll take a break and we will be right back. Stay right there. in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Just some old school gospel worship for you there. He was just like, oh, I didn't know we were going to go to church. It's just the the music that we come back to. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We're excited that we're broadcasting live. It's it's always neat to have some reaction and some communication with people who are Normally, we can't see right. when we're doing this program, right. so I'm just talking to like a legal pad. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is really good. Mike Snavely joins us now, and we are going to talk about creation or evolution, a home study curriculum, and the importance of biblical apologetics, our kids being able to defend the faith, mm. uh, scientifically being able to defend the faith. Would you introduce yourself to our listening audience,
3: Mike? Certainly. Mike Snavely. Um, Son of missionaries from South Africa, so i that's where I grew up okay and uh, so the growing up that I had was very unique. It was in a wildlife area, so that's where I began to learn a lot about creation mm-hmm. and uh, a whole lot because everything was very detailed, a lot of wildlife, a lot of personal pets and so forth. so uh, can you imagine the horror that I felt when I began to learn about evolution that somehow mm-hmm. all this stuff became <laughs> came here by chance so mm-hmm. so long ago. I I became kind of an, an enemy of evolution. And uh, so over the years, I had studied about creation. I had studied about the evolution model. I studied about a, a lot of different topics related to the biblical version of origins. So my wife and I were uh, missionaries ourselves back in South Africa. And the Lord used a very interesting event to turn us in the middle of the 90s or early in the 90s to doing what we're doing full-time now, which was a series of uh, seminars on the issue of the biblical version of, or, uh, of origins. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we just felt like it was, it was incredibly important to have a biblical worldview. Yeah. So back then, <clears throat> there were people... Who came to us and said, "Isn't there some sort of a curriculum? Isn't there something we can, some sort of a study guide or something to sort of direct us into biblical studies about origins?" And there wasn't anything back then. So what I did is I took the essence of all of our, um, all of our the sessions that I had been doing and converted them into sort of like a study guide, Mm -hmm. which eventually became the curriculum that you're referring to. So we started our ministry in 95 and have been full time ever since then. And we travel a lot and uh, speak. Speaking is only one thing. We make uh, videos on a lot of different topics related to this Uh, a few years back. Uh, some people came to us and said, "Look, where where's this stuff for kids? Mm-hmm. Um, we're tired of our kids watching stuff on television, Then oh we have on. to filter the evolution out yes. of it and kind of reeducate yes. them, you know, and yes. all that." Mm-hmm. So, so uh, here I thought, "Okay, wait a minute." I had this life growing up in South Africa, I had all these experiences. I used to work for the National Park Service of South Africa. I already had the nickname Ranger Mike. So, why not come <laughs> up with a series of videos ourselves for kids? But that are um, full of apologetics, full yeah. of wildlife, full of adventure, full of you know, footage of, all kinds of cool things, but rooted in Genesis. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. This is so awesome. good. Now,
1: I And I'm glad you touched on this because I, I think that there are sometimes that we think, well, I'm not exposing my kid to the world. I have my kid at home here. So I, I, I trust that my kid is getting a robust biblical apologetic as it pertains to our origin story or as it right. pertains to science and the age of the earth and all of these things. But I think what we often overlook is that we really are immersed in a culture that everything that is pushed by the culture is antithetical to the faith Mm. and so our kids are picking this up and sometimes shockingly they're picking up more of that than they are a biblical defense.
3: And in fact they are because what we've noticed is we hear our parents teaching us this is what this is what was true of me as well we hear our parents teaching us these things and we learn it and we think okay yeah that's that's true but still it's it's mom and dad teaching and whatever and then other stuff gets filtered in that you think oh, well, that's a different viewpoint. Yeah. Hmm, that's different from what mom and dad are telling me. Hmm. I wonder if, I wonder if, I wonder mm-hmm. if, you know, mm-hmm. and so you get these little things filtering it and it's, it's TV programs yeah. or even in a church where we were. Right. My mm-hmm. wife, what we uh, <laughs> looked in their library wow. and here's all these good books in the library. She pulled out this book on wildlife and it was full of evolution wow. in a church library. So we yeah. pointed that out to the pastor. So this stuff's seeps in all around us Mm -hmm. and so uh, we we try to come alongside parents and provide that extra um, sort of behind the scenes help to them to you know to providing another persona you might say in these videos to try to help people understand help kids understand Mm -hmm. that their parents you know, are, when it, when they're in the scripture and they're <laughs> they're teaching you from the scriptures, that is true, and that yeah. is where you start. That's yeah, right. you
1: know, I think you're touching on, right. on something here that's interesting, and I don't know how this happens, and maybe you have some insight on this. But we say something to our kids twenty times, and somebody from somewhere else says something one time, right, right, and the kid that's will right. come back to you and and so and so said,
3: yeah, yeah, as
1: if automatically somebody outside of your parental like you know, right. context right. has more authority or knows more. Yes. And and you're just like do you,
3: <laughs> yeah, Ranger yeah, Mike. No, no, yeah? yeah, definitely we see that. And that's why we've we've tried to create um a, a persona, a a hero, if you will. Yeah. Somebody else who is saying the same things as their parents but from a completely different viewpoint. They mm-hmm. don't they don't know your parents, they don't know anything about it, but Ranger Mike is on these, you know, <laughs> activities or yeah. these uh, these adventures. Yeah. And he and he's learning some things, and then he's saying things like, did you just see what that mother hyena did? Mm-hmm. Do you see what, why it's important for the babies to have obeyed her the first time? Yeah, Otherwise, they could good. wind up being dead. Right. This is why it's important to obey your parents and mm-hmm. things like that. So mm-hmm. we try to teach a little
2: things all along
3: the way in all the videos not just the ranger mic ones but in all of the ones we do so so
1: i'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could could we do like a little bit of role play here like kids asking questions and and then see how would you advise parents to respond to some of those questions and and i this be i'm not smart enough to stump you so don't worry okay (laughs) like (laughs) mike kind of leaned in he was like whoa okay here we go don't worry (laughs) it's not gonna be that um, but I'm wondering if you have kids who are out playing in the neighborhood and they are our kids, you know, are friends with kids who are educated in many different settings. And so you've got a kid who says, um, your kid says, uh, I believe in the creation account, right, that that God made Adam and Eve. And the kid's friend says, yeah, but that's religious. Like, that's not right. science. Like, right. you know, scientifically, this is. Like how how do you equip your kids to be able to respond to those types of objections?
3: So so you, you start with the scripture. The scripture is the authority, Amen. and when the kids are steeped in that, and when the kids know that it makes sense, and it, and there's there's all kinds of 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 points in the scripture that if your kids get their roots down, they'll they'll be able to come right back with answers. In other words, you you start them with the first C of creation once they understand the reasonableness of creation mm-hmm. they can combat with all kinds of you know all kinds of issues with design related to design and purpose and order and beauty and meaning mm-hmm. okay and then you have the whole of the curse on, on, you know, why are there bad things? Yeah. Well, that you know, that's all related to Genesis chapter three. Then you have the cataclysm of the global flood, producing the evidence in the strata layers and the fossils that are found. And the dinosaurs are not in the ground sixty-five million years; they're only in the ground for a you year, know, for four or five thousand years since the flood. So once the kids are steeped in that knowledge, they can come right back, with, you know, with with answers, and they often do based on things that the parents teach, and a lot of times the things that we teach. Um, so. It becomes very important to have the Bible as their, as their source of, of authority with this. And uh, so that's what we try to encourage parents. The other thing, too, is, in fact, we've, I've just written, it just went out on Tuesday. I have a, a, an email that goes out every Tuesday talking about people talking about science versus creation or science versus God. That's a complete misnomer. Okay. Science has no opinions of its own. Science is a tool. Science is a means by which we learn things, but then we add interpretation to what we're learning yeah. according to our worldview. So when somebody says science versus creation, that's the first thing to start combating. No, no, no. Science knows nothing of, of that. Science has no opinions. But anyway, that's, that's where you start. And, and with a proper understanding of the scriptures, and the proper understanding of all of the issues brought, especially in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, which gives us an excellent uh, an excellent background and roots for everything else in the rest of scripture, that's where you start. And then a proper understanding of what science is and what it isn't mm-hmm. is an- is, a, is another very good place to begin teaching your kids those things.
1: So why does it matter to you if I believe I evolved from an ape? Like... Why does it matter to you if I believe? Now, you believe that you are the descendants of the first parents, Mm -hmm. okay? And that's fine. Sure. Why does it matter to you that I believe I was once stardust? Right. Like, why? (laughs) That's a thing, y'all. That's a thing right now, okay? Like, 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 why? What does it take away from you that I believe that?
3: It doesn't take away anything for me except that I'm hurting for you to, to yeah, believe right, right. <laughs> right. If, if you believe right. in evolution. Mm-hmm. Because um, it really has to do with the, the fruit of a tree. If you look at, if, if evolution is true, then, then what is the fruit? If you plant an apple seed, you're going to get fruit eventually from whatever tree grows. Okay, So you're only going to get apples from an apple seed. Mm-hmm. If evolution is accepted in a society... And if that is accepted as true, the fruit of that tree is going to be, there's no meaning to life. You're part of a random accident that took place, you know, 14 billion years ago, a mm. random cosmic accident. There's no meaning to your life. You, you live any way you want to. There's no such thing as morality. It's mm. amorality, mm. not immorality. It's amorality. There's yeah. no right or wrong. Yeah. There's no standard. There's who, who, yeah. what standard is there? Because for, for,
1: immor- immorality presupposes that there is a morality. Uh, right, that a you line, are, a oh, line yeah. drawn in
3: the sand. I okay, hadn't
1: thought about that. And right. so,
3: when you look in the news today, mm-hmm. people don't even know, you know, what gender yeah. they are or right. anything like this, because we've abandoned that moral guideline. We've lost the compass. We don't know where we are because we keep abandoning God. The more we abandon God, the more it will. That that place in our lives will be taken over by something foolish, and mm-hmm. as the, the moment we abandon God, we are we're, we're subject to anything and everything that comes down the road. Mm-hmm. So it it matters hugely what you believe. Conversely, if you believe that you were created, then there is a reason for living. God made you. He loves you. He died for you. He's got a purpose for you. It mm-hmm. changes everything. Yeah. There's beauty. There's order. There's There's, you know, all all of that in the in the universe, Mm -hmm. and Solomon says eternity is written on the hearts of man. Mm -hmm. We know, we know just by being human that there's more to life than just this life we're living. We know there's something more. Evolution says no, no, no. You go back to the start. Right. (laughs) You just return to it. Yeah. Whereas we know there's something more, and since since evolution says there isn't, we've got this innate confusion about things. Isn't there an afterlife, or isn't something really going to happen when I die? And yes, it is. And what is the warranty? Because everybody believes something. Everybody believes something. What is it that you believe that's going to see you safely into eternity? Mm, And every belief system has their their sort of warranty. I wouldn't want any of them, Mm -hmm. but the Bible has phenomenal warranty (laughs) Mm. about what happens.
1: Okay, let's talk about cavemen.
3: Okay. So, so
1: so when I when I talk about cavemen am I automatically talking about those links between humans and apes? Are they is that synonymous to ape men or does the Bible provide for us any way to understand cave dwellers?
3: Okay. So there's a difference between cavemen and ape men. Cavemen have always lived on the planet ever since there were caves. (laughs) Because it's a cheap place to live that you don't have to cool them or heat them. (laughs) So people still live in caves today, and they're fully human. So there's a big difference. (laughs) So there are cavemen and always have been. What there isn't is ape men. There has never been an ape man at all. That is the assumption. And, in fact, there are many different scientific names that have been given to the supposed ancestors of humans, Australopithecus and Homo habilis and all this kind of, those are all just assumed from various bones that have been found. But Mm -hmm. everything that has been found to date is either an ape or an extinct ape or a human. There's never been anything found that Mm -hmm. is, that, that has ever been proven to be an ape man. And in fact, if their version is true, you should be able to dig especially anywhere in the world that's considered um, a warm climate, like an equatorial climate. You should be able to dig anywhere there. If we've been la- around for the last two million years evolving from an ape, there should be trillions upon trillions right. upon trillions of bone fragments left yeah. over pr- right. of that. There aren't any.
1: Yeah, It's yeah, just so all good. an assumption. All right, mm-hmm. so we're, we're coming to the end of the show. I can hear the music. I, in 30 <laughs> seconds, can you provide for us, parents listening, parents in this audience, one interesting tidbit that if we rattled this off to our kid this evening, they would worship us. No, I'm kidding. I don't want, I'm
0: just, that's a joke,
1: guys. They're like, this is a Christian conference. No, but they would respect us for knowing that. Something that we could share with our
3: kids. Show our kids, uh, basically take them outside to show them what God has made. Show them show them bugs, show them animals, you know. Hey, we take safaris too, you know. But uh, no, show them what God has made. Show them about what the purpose of sin is, the flood, yeah. and redemption.
1: Guys, I'm joking about the whole, I don't want my kids to worship me. That was a joke.
3: <laughs> yeah, Misplaced
1: joke. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.